reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. 99diabetes.com. People who have followed this plan at 99diabetes.com reportedly have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. 99diabetes.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. 99diabetes.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. 99diabetes.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at 99diabetes.com. Watch for free at 99diabetes.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medications. Go to 99diabetes.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Good afternoon. It is I, Chuck Moore, hosting Chuck Moore Speaks, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to the program here at the USA Radio Networks. You're welcome to join us at 844-439-1391, 844-439-1391. We'll be joined shortly by Alan H. Riskind. He is the son of screenwriter Maury Riskind, who uh, was a writer for the Marx Brothers back in the 1930s. He's a longtime editor at Human Events. He's a favorite public, which was a favorite publication, thank you, of Ronald Reagan. Um and he is the author of Hollywood Traders, Blacklisted Screenwriters, Agents of Stalin, Allies of Hitler. Alan, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Well, thank you very much. Alan, I am really enjoying the book. It, by the way, this book looks great. You know, I was I was carrying it with me when I was in Starbucks the other day, and there was a woman in line who was trying to get a peek at what I was reading, and I so I made sure I let her see it, and she almost fainted. But, but was uh, she a liberal? What, what uh, this, probably. Yeah, I, I I think so. You know, she had that ashen look. Right. Uh, you know this this book should should have been um, the information. I, I mean, I, I don't know where to start. Basically, what we have here are Hollywood um, actors, screenwriters. Uh, people at high levels of our entertainment, and of course this is just one slice of society. We could have taken a look at members of the Roosevelt administration and others. But they essentially were placing the interests not only of Stalin, but of Hitler over the interests of their own country. I think that's an accurate description of traitor. What do you think? Well, I think that is an accurate, it is an accurate description. I, I mean, the thing is that, but they were, I guess I would say that the point is is that it was because Stalin had changed sides, switched sides, and was supporting Hitler in 1939, that all the Communist Party members here, including those in Hollywood and the ones that I talk about, especially the Hollywood Ten, that is why they became pro-Hitler. 
I mean, in other words, it wasn't Hitler wasn't really directing them. It was Stalin that had changed sides, teamed up with Hitler against the West and the, and everybody else. And but that's why they changed. And uh, so that's right. uh, I, I this is sort of why I call them uh, agents of Stalin. They were agents of Stalin, but they became you know, very pro-Hitler during the Hitler-Stalin pact, and the only reason that they switched against Hitler and opposed Hitler was because Hitler double-crossed Stalin. That's the only reason, and, the, and, and, and invaded right. the Soviet Union, and at that point, all these various people in Hollywood who had been defending, the way they defended Hitler basically was saying, he's not so, so much of a, of a threat, but England, they demonized Hitler's enemies, including England, and even FDR, because uh, FDR was England's biggest supporter, and Trumbo, Dalton Trumbo, whom Hollywood loves, uh, basically um, said that FDR was guilty of treason and black treason because he wanted to help England out in his life and death struggle mm -hmm. against uh, Germany. You know, this is a perfect example of how relativistic the far left is. You know, I mean, the reason Whitaker Chambers went to uh, Adolf Burley, who was a Roosevelt administration official, to uh, report on the people that he was handling when he was a communist agent in the 1930s, and that included Alger Hiss and Harry Dexter White and a, a list of several others who were at high levels, was because of the Hitler-Stalin pact. And he realized that these people now posed a deadly threat to the United States. They were allied not only with Stalin but with Hitler. Now, just uh, to give a little historical background here, the far left was anti-fascist, quote-unquote, in the years leading up to the Hitler-Stalin pact, because that was Stalin's line, not because they had any particular convictions. Uh, after the Hitler-Stalin pact, which was signed in August of 1939, which formalized the relationship, the, the alliance, between the Nazis and the Soviet communists, and after they both divided Poland into half and launched World War II, these same people became isolationists. They, they, they had nothing negative to say about fascism anymore. They, they worked actually to keep the United States from preparing for war, for arming ourselves. And I, when I say work for it, I mean more than just propaganda. I mean, you had communist unions organizing strikes at munitions uh, locations, such as the Alice Chalmers plant in Wisconsin, and, uh, you know, to try to stop America from arming itself. They had the slogan... Well, you know, excuse me, to, just to plug the book a little bit, yeah. I have a whole chapter on that. I just want to let people know. That thank you. No, thank you, Alan. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And and you do a great job of it. And I, I don't mean to... It's just... I, I'm getting overly excited here. It's just such a stunning story, the level of this. I mean, not only were they traitorous in their actions, in their support of the Nazis, but they actually were actively working against the interests of Franklin Roosevelt and the United States in the face of World War II. This is after the war had been launched. And that continued right up until June of 1941, two years, when, as you say, Hitler double-crossed his socialist ally, Stalin, by launching Operation Barbarossa and invading Stalin's half of Poland. So then they suddenly, like a light switch, they switch over, and become super patriotic. They wrap themselves in the flag. Suddenly, they're super. All these so-called peace groups and this great peace movement uh, becomes pro-war, pro-invasion, and uh, you know, they, they like like you know, overnight. I mean, it's just it's stunning. It's it's an amazing story. It's something that 
I think Americans need to not only understand, but it should be studied. It should be understood because it's an example of what we're dealing with by this amoral, relativistic, left-wing establishment. Well, the thing that, that to me that is, you know, that to, to build on your point there and uh, is that what is amazing to me even about Hollywood, let's just put it this way, is that these uh, Hollywood 10, and the point is that the people who were hardcore communists, they weren't, they weren't being smeared. They actually had party cards. They were a member of a communist conspiracy in the United States. They were a fifth column here in the United States working on behalf of Stalin and all of that. And then... It's amazing to me that they continue, even Hollywood at large, not to even probably the hardcore communists and all that, but I'm talking about today, even the hardcore, you know, maybe socialists, soft liberals and all that, they continue to honor these people, meaning the Hollywood, particularly the Hollywood 10, because that's whom they are always uh, uh, showering uh, 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 a claim on. And the thing is, is that Ring Lardner Jr., I attended this in, in 1997, and, I, and uh, I, I mentioned this in the book, but the point is, Ring Lardner Jr., he was part of the Hollywood 10. He was a full-time communist. He had a Communist Party card. I don't think he ever really rejected communism, until, even toward the end of his life. Excellent writer. But he was given, I saw him being given a First Amendment award by Hollywood. And the Screenwriters Guild, it was the Screenwriters Guild West, and they say he's a, you know, he gets the First Amendment award. And what it really just, I guess, upsets me, continues to upset me, is that when has, it, even if you, let's say, you're against a blacklist, whatever you might be against, why would you give a communist a First Amendment award since whenever they come to power, we know that's the one thing that they are totally opposed to. And yet these, they're, they're continuing to honor him. And the point is they honored, uh, they honored in some fashion, I don't know whether, uh, uh, I mean, I go into this also is that uh, Jim Carrey is, was a star in The Majestic. And The Majestic, mm. it's not only a totally unfair attack against the House Committee on Un-American Activities. I mean, it's a silly attack, really. But point is, is that this wonderful town, they named this wonderful town, and patriotic, you know, fought, they have a nice little cemetery, they have middle class uh, you know, values and all this sort of thing. And they named the town after John Howard Lawson, who was head of the Communist Party for maybe a dozen years in in, in Hollywood, and died as a Stalinist. I mean, I've, I've gone through his in my book. I go, I mentioned this that I go through his unpublished memoirs, in which he is still saying how wonderful Stalin is. And yet Hollywood chooses to actually name a town after him and pretend that he is a champion of you know our First Amendment rights, etc. And now this year they're going to do the same thing with Dalton Trumbo. Uh, you know, who was for Stalin, you know, uh, Trumbo actually in uh, 1950, I mean, not only was an apologist for, for, for Stalin, as I mentioned, and not only was, I mean, for, for Hitler, too, but in 1950, he wrote a script. It was unpublished. I have a copy of it. It's in his uh, papers at the Wisconsin Historical Society, in which Kim Il-sung's North Korea, the granddaddy of this, you know, this clown in, uh, in, in, South, in North Korea today, and he basically says that North Korea was right in attacking South Korea, and somehow it was fighting for its independence, uh, the way we fought for our independence against the British. And that is going to be shown, apparently uh, shown this year, we're going to be, uh, and Brian Cranston, I don't know these people, but anyway, he's head of, uh, he's a big star in uh, Breaking Bad, and he's going to be the star. And they're going to go also after the anti-communists, people like Roy Brewer, who I, whom I knew, a labor leader. He was a Democrat, but he was a terrific anti-communist. And uh, John, they're going to go after John Wayne, and they're going to lionize this, uh, you know, Stalinist who had been a Stalinist for, for years. I don't think he, I, in fact, I've gone through Trumbo's 
papers, and I never see anything against Stalin. In fact, if anything, I see little notes that he has which suggest that he thinks Stalin would save socialism. You know, the whole idea that they would phrase these people as defenders of the First Amendment, that really boils my blood. I mean, that's, that's you know, they were supporters of Adolf Hitler. They were supporters of communism, which is public ownership of the means of production. It's not anything remotely like a guarantee of free speech or free anything. Um, you, you go over, you review several movies very well, particularly Mission to Moscow, and how they uh, basically painted this rosy picture of Soviet Russia and did so fully conscious of the utter you know, atrocity that uh, the Bolsheviks had wrought on their own people. You know, it's like that New York Times reporter Delahanty walking over the fields of skeletons and writing back to the New York Times about, you know, socialism works and, uh, you know, the great and glorious move toward the sunlit future and, and, and all of this. I mean, it's it's more than, these are more than just lies. I mean, this is actively supporting uh, what can only be described as the most atrocious uh, regime I, I, up until that point in history. And we should remember that Lenin had already liquidated upwards of 5 million people before Hitler even got started, you know, and don't, and I would think that Hitler was inspired by this. Another thing I think is that the Nazis actually were viewed as progressive up until maybe the mid-1930s by most left-wingers. And uh, that was uh, obscured by Stalin himself after Operation Barbarossa when he sent out the new directive saying that from now on the Nazis are to be viewed as evil and right-wing, quote-unquote, and that Americans who disagree with me and with, so with our socialist agenda are to be lumped in with these so-called right-wingers. I mean, there's, no, I mean, there's, style, you know, Hitler was right-wing, really? I mean, uh, I, he stood for small government, well, Judeo-Christian values? No, 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 I, no, no. But the thing to me, it's the, uh, I, I totally agree with you, obviously, and I've written a lot about this, and uh, I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm with you in terms of being angry about it, and I get, and as I got into the book, I became, you know, more incensed. I did not honestly think that it would turn out as, Badly, at least, or in my mind, that that the communists would turn out as bad as they did. I mean, the domestic communists here in the United States, and they were totally lied with that. As you mentioned, mission to Moscow. I mean, that was Howard Koch, and he wasn't supposedly a he wasn't a communist himself. He didn't have a party card, but his wife was a communist, and he had Jay Leda, who was a communist. With Hello? all right, Alan, I got to take a brief break here. I okay. got to take a brief break. Hollywood traders, sit tight. We'll be right back. What if I told you you could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication? If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. 99diabetes.com. People who have followed this plan at 99diabetes.com reportedly have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. 99diabetes.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in 
as little as four weeks. 99diabetes.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. 99diabetes.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at 99diabetes.com. Watch for free at 99diabetes.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medications. Go to 99diabetes.com. This is a multi-view special report brought to you by Enteromedics. There is no one-size-fits-all approach designed to treat obesity. Options ranging from diet and exercise to bypass surgery have failed to stop the disease from advancing. It affects more than one-third of U.S. adults. But people looking to overcome obesity have reason to celebrate. The FDA has approved V-Block therapy, delivered by a pacemaker-like device, the first approved to treat obesity in more than a decade to control feelings of hunger and fullness. Dr. Scott Shakora, Consulting Chief Medical Officer in Teromedics, explains. The vagus nerve is the communication lines between the gut and the brain, telling the brain what's going on in the gut as far as did the person eat or not eat, should the person eat. So the vagus nerve seems to regulate energy, calorie intake, and sugar production, and therefore has an important role in weight management. Talk to your doctor about how V-Block can improve your health. And for more information, visit enteromedics.com forward slash V-Block or call 1-800-MY-V-Block. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates or low minimum payments. Before you know it, you owe thousands of dollars in credit card debt. It has happened to millions of good people just like you. But here's the good news. Thanks to a powerful program now approved, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and even reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. That's right. Our nationwide nonprofit program is helping U.S. residents cut their credit card payments. Call 800 991-6376 now. The call and information are free. Credit Guard has helped over half a million people with their credit card debt, and now we can help you. Call 800-991-6376 to see how this powerful nonprofit program can work for you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-991-6376. That's 800-991-6376. Again, 800-991-6376. In the early 60s, Dolores and Ray Butcher and their three daughters earned a trip to Disneyland by collecting S&H green stamps. It was a dream come true. Today, nearly everyone has a wallet or keychain full of loyalty rewards cards that they use for discounts, gifts, and even free dinners at their favorite restaurants. For years, an international company has been offering a universal loyalty rewards card in Europe. Now they are looking for independent representatives to launch this card in the U.S. and Canada. We call it the blue card, one card to replace dozens. The Blue Card offers discounts, cash back, it even accumulates points to shop at participating merchants and an online mall. It's free to get the card and free to become a representative. You could help launch the Blue Card in your area and get paid wherever it's used. Imagine, you could get paid every time someone fills their gas tank, buys groceries, orders an online air ticket, or purchases just about anything. To get your free Blue Card, call 800-627-6620. 800-627-6620. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. My guest is Alan H. Wiskind. The book is Hollywood Traders, Blacklisted Speedwriters, Agents of Stalin, Allies of Hitler, available at major bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I urge my listeners to get this book. Um, 
So, Alan, we have the light switch goes off in August of 1939 when suddenly the communists left in America, in Hollywood and elsewhere. They become pro-Hitler because of the Hitler-Stalin pact. They become anti-war suddenly. They want to keep America out of the war, and they work during World War II to uh, keep the United States neutral so that because they want to help Hitler and Stalin. Another light goes off in June of 41 when Hitler double-crosses his socialist ally Stalin and invades Russia. Then they become super patriots, super warlike. Then a third light switch goes off in April of 1945, the Duclos letter. You get into that. They go back to anti-American. Please talk about that and how that affected Hollywood. Well, the uh, what happened was that, uh, I guess it's sort of co- complicated, but the point is that uh, Jacques Duclos, well, he had been a common turn member, but he uh, uh, issued a, some sort of a, a screed uh, against Earl Browder, because during the war, Earl Browder was head of the Communist Party in the United States, and during the war, uh, Browder started taking the softer line, and I assume, really, it was obviously Stalin had approved all that because uh, they were now our allies, and they were saying all sorts of good things about the United States, etc. And then Stalin suddenly wants to change uh, change again. He doesn't want to be he doesn't want the United States to be viewed as his ally because Hitler had been defeated. He didn't need us anymore, and he wanted to to uh, occupy uh, Eastern Europe, which he did. He wanted to, didn't want to uh, in any way carry out his promises that he made at Yalta with for free and fair elections throughout uh, uh, Eastern Europe, and he, and he occupied them. He wanted to continue his effort to communize the world. I mean, that's what he was out to do. So there was this big attack against uh, uh, Browder, and they said he, w- he was for progressive capitalism. In other words, and that he believed that there could be a peace between the United, there could be a peaceful path to socialism, and that the United States and the Soviet Union could cooperate after World War II. And the fact is, is that this screed was against all of that, and said basically, basically the whole point was that you you had to have conflict with the United States. You had certainly class warfare was important, and the point is the Soviet Union was basically going to continue to make the United States now, or go back to making the United States a major enemy because it's a capitalist country, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result of that, the uh, because this is, of course it shows again how the Hollywood or the and the Communist Party in the United States and the Hollywood section of it immediately does whatever it is they think Stalin wants, and everyone believed that this was a, the came basically indirectly from Stalin, and that's what he wanted, and that it was his new change signal that uh, the United States was going to be the enemy again. Forget about all this cooperation, and immediately the Communist Party in the United States goes after Browder, not only relieves him of his uh, of his uh, head of his being head of the party, but kicks him out of the party itself because they nobody wanted to be accused of quote Browderism. And uh, so, therefore, and uh, Phil Jaffe, who was a uh, uh, basically a communist himself, he was on the Politburo of the Communist Party here in the United States, but he was an interesting guy, and uh, he came out with a book, and he was a biographer of, of Browder, and he says that this kicking out of uh, of, uh, of Browder was the first shot fired in the Cold War. In other words, the whole Communist Party knew that they were going back to this you know, very contentious uh, uh, conflict with the United States, and uh, all the Hollywood Ten followed right along. And they, and they booted them out, and, right. and, and uh, Trumbull, whom I mentioned before, and then I said, mentioned that Hollywood was going to make this wonderful picture uh, of him, said, well, I have to choose between Lenin and Browder. I'm going to choose Lenin. 
and uh, and right. and that's the way they were. They decided they're going to follow. Uh, they were yeah. going to follow Stalin. They were the ones. In other words, if they had not kicked Browder out, they could have actually, you know, the United States and, and even the Communist Party in the United States would not have been, uh, you know, at odds with each other, and that they would have shown that they could right. break no. with the. They could have broken with Stalin, but they decided not to do it, and then they were totally on the side of Stalin during the Cold War, as you know. They took a sharp turn to the left after they no longer needed the United States. They were back to uh, subversion and overthrow and, governments. And, and, and Lester uh, Cole, I, I, Lester Cole, one of the one of the ten. Yeah. I just I should mention this is that he when the, when that happened and when they when they decided actually to go back to being confrontational and all the rest of it, he lifted his glass in a, at a dinner party and said, uh, you know, he toasted the revolution. Now we can go back to fighting the revolution, and that's what they, he was one of the right. Hollywood ten. And that that Hollywood and, and continues right. and these people to, were, to, to worship. Yeah, and these people were in, in positions of influence over our culture. I've heard that Phil Joffe also was implicated in the IPA scandal, which was the uh, IPR, Institute of Pacific Relations, which was the first spy scandal that was broken even before the end of World War II. Uh, we got one more break here. Please stay with me, Alan, if you don't mind. The Hollywood Traders will be right back. happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates or low minimum payments. Before you know it, you owe thousands of dollars in credit card debt. It has happened to millions of good people just like you. But here's the good news. Thanks to a powerful program now approved, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and even reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. That's right. Our nationwide nonprofit program is helping U.S. residents cut their credit card payments. Call 800 991 now. The call and information are free. Credit Guard has helped over half a million people with their credit card debt, and now we can help you. Call 800-991-6376 to see how this powerful nonprofit program can work for you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-991-6376. That's 800-991-6376. Again, 800-991-6376. What if I told you that you could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication? If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetic99.com People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Alan Riskind is my guest. Hollywood Traders is the book. Blacklisted screenwriters, agents of Stalin, allies of Hitler... So, Alan, we've reached the end of World War II. 
We have a shift to the left by the uh, communist American Communist Party. You've got the uh, march of communism all around the world as they occupy Eastern Europe, as they eventually take over in China, uh, Vietnam, North Korea. Then there's the Korean War, the American the bomb. The American people are appalled because they felt that we had had a very hard-fought victory against the Nazis, and here we're looking at the communists who are just as bad and who are basically beginning to occupy about a third of the planet. Uh, thus, you have the hearings. The House on american Activities Committee, which was originally set up to investigate Nazis, uh, calls up the Hollywood Ten. Talk about that. Well, this was in '47. And when they called them up, and this was the first major, these were the first major hearings about the House Committee on Armed Activities had against the communists in Hollywood. And, uh, and of course, it was 1947. We're in the midst of the Cold War at this point. And, of course, as we pointed out before, that the uh, Communist Party in the United States lined up totally with Stalin and uh, and uh, had ditched the, the so-called uh, cooperate cooperate when they were cooperating with the United States against uh, against Hitler, uh, uh, Stalin was free of that and now wanted to go back on his on the offensive, and uh, believed that the United States was his major enemy, and so therefore the Communist Party uh, uh, in the United States was totally on Stalin's side at this time. So the House Committee on American Activities calls up uh, 19 people, subpoenas 19 people, 11 testify, and 10 that became famously known as the Hollywood Ten, and they were just asked the question. They were just asked the question as to whether, in fact, they were members of the Communist Party, and they refused to answer that question. And uh, and people, I don't think, understand any of this, but the fact is that the House Committee did not smear them. They didn't do anything. All they asked them, are you a member of the Communist Party? They didn't use any polemics against them. And they refused to answer. They said, well, this was a violation of their First Amendment rights. But, of course, the con- the, con- the courts have never held that you can't, you know, uh, you can't testify before Congress and suddenly say, oh, well, uh, I'm not a member of this organization. I, I, mean, I don't have to answer anything about this organization because I'm uh, uh, because of the First Amendment. And the courts have never upheld that. And uh, anyway, as a result, they were they were cited for contempt of Congress, and then they went to jail. And then after these hearings, though, which is sort of interesting to me, is that, that certainly the left doesn't play it this way, but the hearings were so it made the communists look terrible because these ten people who got before the committee, they not only said, "Well, we don't want to answer the question," they used also they started to slime, I guess, a word to use, the committee members and accused them of being Nazis and Gestapo agents, and and they said Robert Stripling, who was the chief investigator, they called him Quisling, who was the famous Norwegian Nazi. I mean, it was that sort of thing, and people heard this on their radios. I mean, television wasn't a big thing. Movie tone news and all of the rest, and everybody seemed to to rebel against uh, uh, the, the ten. And uh, not only that, as of course, as I mentioned before, we're in the midst of a cold war already. Why aren't these people saying that whether they're part of a conspiracy to you know overturn uh, our government by force and violence? They wouldn't do it. And as a result, the studios, the studios which had really not wanted these hearings in the first place got together and said, look, we have to do something or the American people are going to boycott our movies and that is going to be just terrible for us. So they got together at the Waldorf Astoria and they decided to say, look, we're going to come out and say, you can't be a member of the Communist Party if you are going to work in Hollywood. You just can't do that. And you have to cooperate with the the committees. Well, these ten, I mean, 
all sorts of other people did that subsequently. They renounced communism, and you know, people like Aliyah Kazan and Bud Schulberg and all that. But these ten did not. The only one person who actually did was uh, Edward Dimitri. Nine out of the ten, though, died with their red boots on. And the fact is that Dimitri, mm -hmm. whom I knew, was a famous director, and he turned against the communists. He said, yeah, he'd be willing to talk after he served his sentence. For, for contempt, and every, any fact is, people talk about the blacklist, but what they don't understand is, is that anybody could get back and work in Hollywood if he just renounced the, the Communist Party. That's right, but they renounced and they apologized. All right, we've got one more break here, I'll do some we back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse, is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Moore Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Moore Speaks, people listen. They're taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book. A National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you could also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you, 
very much. And my guest is Alan Riskine. The book is Hollywood Traders, Blacklisted Screenwriters. You know, one of the ironies of the Hollywood 10 and this whole line of reasoning is that somehow this was an era that squelched free speech. And I've heard very respectable liberals say this, including Alan Dershowitz, who's been a guest on my program many times. And the fact is that the opposite was the case. The Congress and the American people wanted these people to speak. We wanted them to tell us that they were communists or that they supported communism, and they wanted them to tell us why. But they were the ones who were refusing to speak. They refused to uh, testify when they had the opportunity. Now, uh, what would have happened to these Hollywood 10 if they had come out and said, yes, I was a communist, yes, I was allied with Hitler, I apologize to the American people, if they had really been a genuine truth and reconciliation, which is normal after a terrible war, what would have happened to them? Well, it, they, they would have gone back to work. The fact is, is that anyone, I mean, a yeah. lot of these people, I, I mentioned before in a previous segment, I talked about Leah Kazan had been a full-time communist. All, he did apologize. He took out an ad in the New York Times and basically said, look, uh, uh, I was wrong, the communists are bad, and uh, they're against all the things that uh, you liberals say that you're for, about freedom of speech and all of that. And uh, you should go out and, and acknowledge that you were a part of a conspiracy and tell the truth about all this. And uh, he got back to work. I mean, you know, it's sort of interesting in a way that, uh, what was it, uh, uh, on the waterfront. I mean, two ex-communists actually wrote that and, or, or directed or wrote it. And you had Leah Kazan, who had been a famous director, and uh, Bud Schulberg, and they got Oscars for it. The fact is, is that you the the conservatives. It's interesting to me is that the liberal fund for the republic, which is a very liberal publication, has some very interesting information though, on what went on in Hollywood, and basically said that anyone who testified against the communists and came back and and and, and wanted to work uh, uh, back in the industry is that they went to the conservatives. They went to the conservatives who would say, "Yeah, we want you back in. Come on, just all you have to do is, you know, denounce uh, Stalin and that, and and the Communist Party here, and just say you're not a part of a conspiracy in order to uh, destroy the United States, and you can work, you know, you can go back to work in the party." And many, I mean, in in, in Hollywood, and all these people, tons of these people did this. So the point is, is uh, right. all these people had this, the people that were blacklisted that I'm aware of, the people that I talk about, and I'm only talking about. Three most of us have pondered about the one universal question is there a god and if there is is there any absolute proof it is for that exact reason why my good friend sam sorbo and i marius forte have written our book the answer proof of god in heaven in essence the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true just as light will eliminate darkness so does the law which in greek is called cosmos eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse Speaks 
Thank you very much. And my guest is Alan Ristein. The book is Hollywood Traders, Blacklisted Screenwriters, Agents of Stalin, Allies of Hitler. So, Alan, basically, if someone testified before Congress and, sa- and acknowledged that they'd been a communist and apologized, they would have gone back to work. I would also say that if they testified before Congress and said that they are a communist and they don't apologize, their rights would have also been respected. In fact, it was uh, none other than Senator Hubert H. Humphrey in 1940 who actually had a bill before Congress to make a membership of to, in the Communist Party illegal and a criminal act, and that bill was argued down and rejected by various senators, including apparently Senator Joseph McCarthy, who thought that it went too far. In other words, that... Uh, Someone could be a communist in this country. People are communists. It's not illegal. Well, there course, would have been no consequences. Well, there would have. The only there would have been a consequence. There, at least, there would have been some consequence. Meaning, not that you would go to jail. Well, there would have been and legal consequences. But the point is, is if the Waldorf Agreement was. I mean, this was true. Is that people who refused to actually renounce communism, that they would, that they couldn't work in the industry. And the point is that 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 right. is true. And the fact is, in my own view. That was a correct view. First of all, it was Hollywood had every, has every right to do that kind of yeah, thing anyway, absolutely. because if you're, they have a right to say you can't work in the industry for all sorts of reasons if they think it's going to hurt the box office, and they have moral clauses and all the rest of it. So the point is, they did say it was a, it would depend on the when he said this. But if he said it in '47, I, that person would have been blacklisted, I believe, because uh, sure, because, because of the agreement. Well, but subsequently, would... pardon? Yep. No, there'd be no legal consequences. I mean, no, no, sure, right. would have bla- no blacklisted them no in the legal same way they blacklist a Nazi or a Klansman. You know, they, you know, the American people don't uh, particularly view communism in a warm and fuzzy context. So yeah, they would have been banned, but there would have been no legal consequences. They could have gone on and practiced their communism, maybe formed a commune up in Idaho. I don't know. Well, whatever. you're right. Absolutely, that's correct. And the only thing is, is that I, I will say this: is that in 1951. In my view, there's always a restriction on the on the First Amendment. I mean, there, there's always been. I mean, you can't shout fire in a crowded theater. You can't really be uh, right. uh, plotting to overthrow this government by force and violence and have no consequences whatsoever. And in 1951, the Supreme Court, I think it was a 6-2 decision. Fred Vincent, I believe, gave the uh, decision. And basically, the top communist leaders were convicted of violating the Smith Act. And and this was a and right. the, and, the, and point is you could not you could not you under the Smith Act 1939 you couldn't teach and advocate the overthrow of the government by force and violence and they said that the top ten were uh, guilty of that they said it was not a violation of the First Amendment to send these people to jail and all the rest of it in other words there are certain limits and and that aspect of the limit that that part yes, of it about, and they also suggested of course it was true Soviet Union I mean today if somebody just advocated it somewhere in their, you know, basement somewhere. It might not mean much. But then the they, they, Supreme Court ruled that this was a clear and present danger. And, of course, one of the, the clear and present danger was because of the Soviet Union and that, that they were behind these people here in the United States and that, that, of course, if Stalin decided to switch and suddenly say, we want you to bomb this or that, they probably would have because they were so dedicated to uh, to Stalin. And anyway, there are limits on on. on uh, well, sure. I mean, if they're involved in sedition, it would be like somebody today openly admitting that they're in Al Qaeda. You know, right. That, that that, and exactly. Bomb, exactly. Bomb and, and that's why it applied. But there are 
the only thing is I've had these uh, conversations with people before on uh, on uh, these talk shows, and some of the people are very, you know, they talk about the First Amendment all the time as if somehow that there are no restrictions on the First Amendment. And I just point out to them, well, the, the courts, have, first of all, you know, the Constitution is not a suicide pact. Was, uh, I don't know, it was a right. Holmes or somebody said said that. And, and of course, there is that clear and present homes. danger doctrine. So that's also important, and that does limit your, your freedom to advocate violence anyway. That's right. You're not allowed to be at war with your own country and actively aiding and abetting an enemy that's at war with the country. You know that Sidney Hook, who was a big liberal and a big socialist, mm-hmm. I guess, and but he, but the, even the left sort of admired him, and he'd been almost a communist himself. But he had a book out called uh, uh, Heresy, uh, Heresy, Yes, Conspiracy, No, or the other way around. I'm not sure. But the point was is that you can be a heretic, you can do anything you want, but you cannot be this part of this uh, a group to try to destroy the United States. And, you know, and people don't even understand this about the uh, about the these Hollywood uh, writers, screenwriters. Back in 1935, they actually created the League of American Writers, and uh, I go into this. And the point of the League of American Writers. The purpose of the League of American Writers was to bring down the United States through revolution. I mean, it, I, mean I, I go into all of that in the, in, in the book. I mean, they actually, and, and many of these people turned up as Hollywood Ten members later on, and they never rejected the idea of overthrowing the government by force and violence. Donald Ogden Stewart, he was a fan. I mean, I, he does great. Yes. Okay, we'll go one more break. We'll get back to you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates or low minimum payments. Before you know it, you owe thousands of dollars in credit card debt. It has happened to millions of good people just like you. But here's the good news. Thanks to a powerful program now approved, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and even reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. That's right. Our nationwide nonprofit program is helping U.S. residents cut their credit card payments. Call 800 991-6376 now. The call and information are free. Credit Guard has helped over half a million people with their credit card debt, and now we can help you. Call 800-991-6376 to see how this powerful nonprofit program can work for you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-991-6376. That's 800-991-6376. Again, 800-991-6376. Chuck Morse speaks. Alan, the Hollywood Ten and those who were part of their ilk, these people were successful capitalists. They enjoyed the very best fruits of American life. They were probably conservative in their own life, in their own family values. You know, what what was it that made them tick in terms of why they would be adhering to a philosophy that not only completely contradicted their own lives, but that would have overthrown their own country? What was it about that? Well, I can't. Give it. I mean, I, I, everybody ponders that. But the fact is that this idea. I mean, 
in a way, uh, uh, Ring Lardner Jr. I have mentioned mentioned it in 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 my book, and he sort of gives, does, I guess, give an answer to that. But basically, they they really believed. I mean, I think that it's fair to say they really believed in this idea of communism as it was outlined, and they they really believed that you know somehow everything that they were willing to use any kind of violence, anything to, anything to overthrow a capitalist system because capitalism was really the evil. And that becomes very clear to me not only in what he says, but when I read what uh, Georgie Dimitrov, who was head of the Comintern, and what he sends coded messages to Earl Browder, and Browder was head of the Communist Party, and basically says these things and about the you know the, ter- the evil yeah, of capitalism and why they have to be for Hitler now. And I mean, he, he actually says why they have to be for Hitler and the fact that Hitler is doing us a favor when, it, when, he's, uh, when he's invading the West and going after England and all that. Hitler's doing us a big favor. And uh, these capitalist countries are, you know, are going to go at, at each other and, and, and that's be fine with us. Of course, as you know, and as you pointed out previously, is that uh, the uh, what actually happened was that the uh, Stalin, because of the pact itself, was really on the side of Hitler, and and uh, the point was he didn't view England was really the 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 enemy and during this time. But he, right, this is sure. this is the way they talk to each other though. Yeah. All right. Listen, uh, Alan, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. I can't recommend you book more highly. Hollywood traders. Thanks so much, Alan. Dolores and Ray Butcher and their three daughters earned a trip to Disneyland by collecting SNH green stamps. It was a dream come true. Today, nearly everyone has a wallet or keychain full of loyalty rewards cards that they use for discounts, gifts, and even free dinners at their favorite restaurants. For years, an international company has been offering a universal loyalty rewards card in Europe. Now they are looking for independent representatives to launch this card in the U.S. and Canada. We call it the Blue Card, one card to replace dozens. The Blue Card offers discounts, cash back, it even accumulates points to shop at participating merchants and an online mall. It's free to get the card and free to become a representative. You could help launch the Blue Card in your area and get paid wherever it's used. Imagine, you could get paid every time someone fills their gas tank, buys groceries, orders an online air ticket, or purchases just about anything. To get your free Blue Card, call 800-627-6620. 800 A loved one are struggling with drugs and alcohol, there's something you need to know. Thoughts like, I can stop anytime. I'm not hurting anyone. It's my life are lies. These lies cause you to drink or get high even when you've promised yourself or someone else you wouldn't. You may feel all alone, but you're not. We're here to help. Take the first step. Call us today at 800-461-3329 for a free no-obligation assessment. Your insurance may even cover the full cost of treatment. Please don't wait. Call 800-461-3329. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Call American Drug Treatment Centers to speak with our trained staff. We'll walk you through getting yourself or a loved one into treatment even if they won't admit there's a problem. The truth is, drugs and alcohol want you dead. Don't let them win. One simple call will start you on the road to recovery. Call 800-461-3329 now. It will be the best thing you ever do. Call 800-461-3329. 800-461-3329.
a Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. And it is I, Chuck Boss, Monday through Friday, 10 to noon, Eastern Standard Time, here at the USA Radio Networks. You're welcome to join the program, 844-439-1391, 844-439-1391. Again, would like to thank Alan H. Riskind, the editor-at-large at Human Events. It's a very influential conservative newspaper. Um, and the author of Hollywood Traders, Blacklisted Screenwriters, Agents of Stalin, Allies of Hitler. It's such a, oh, I mean, I, you know, to me, a, a book like this, a solid piece of anti-communism, it's uplifting. Uh, you know, I read this and I feel better. It makes me, it's like I draw strength from it. I can't urge people to buy the, enough to buy this book and read it. It's the kind of book that not only am I reading and will read cover to cover, but I'll probably reread parts of it and absorb it and learn it. It gets into the very crux of the problem that I have, the criticism that I have for the left, the amoral, relativistic left. This is a, a perfect historical and, and documentable um, history of that. I mean, and obviously I'm not suggesting that all liberals are, you know, by today's definition of the term, which is left wing, were communists or were sympathizers of Stalin. Uh, not at all. In, in fact, some of the strongest anti-communists in the 1950s after World War II and after communism bared its teeth were liberals such as Senators John F. Kennedy, Senator Joseph R. McCarthy, Senator Lyndon Baines Johnson, Senator Hubert H. Humphrey. You know, these people were generally liberal, and even some perhaps slightly sympathetic to the authoritarian agendas that communism represents, but they were also anti-communists. They were pro-American. They had vestiges of faith. They had a certain understanding, and more than just intellectual, of the importance of individual rights and sovereignty, and that you know the government should be limited. I mean, they did have a some perception of, of what the American government was about. They did support America, uh, you know. So yeah, I mean, I'm not suggesting that they're all communists. But nevertheless, the very root of the communist enterprise is something that's been imbibed by people, including many conservatives, uh, almost subconsciously. And that's not necessarily for conspiratorial reasons. It's not because Stalin and his minions in the United States were so convincing. It's because it represents a dark side of human nature. We all have it. Whitaker Chambers talked about... Uh, communism as the second oldest religion, second to belief in, in the creator of the universe, God. He uses the metaphor of the Garden of Eden to make the point that what was the message of the serpent? The message of the serpent to Eve 
was that you should partake of the forbidden fruit, the tree of life. In other words, you shall know, you shall be like God. You shall overthrow God in heaven. You shall create a man-centered universe where man would decide what was true, what was real. You know, it was a uh, it was an idea that Eve found irresistible, and so she partook of the forbidden fruit and gave it to a gullible Adam. And as a result, they fell out of favor, and they actually became the first human being, the first two human beings, in that they were per imperfect. They were images of God. They would experience pain. They would experience the travails of, of, um, you know, of a limited life. Now, that is not to say that ever since then, human society has sought to get back to the Garden of Eden in terms of improving life on Earth through understanding the nature of God's universe and utilizing and exercising that knowledge to improve life. You know, we now have things like refrigerators and ovens and other inventions and heaters so that we can live in cold climates comfortably, so we can cook our food without having to burn the house down, and we can save and preserve food in a refrigerator so it doesn't get spoiled. You know, these are inventions that took a long time but that improved life on Earth. We have medicines that help us live longer. We understand what, uh, you know, concepts that, that help us take care of us, our health better. We've also developed the arts, music, you know, uh, art, uh, performance. I mean, things that, that get into the abstract part of our existence and improve our our experience on earth and our knowledge we've created governments that understand that rights come from God not from the state we're not idol worshipers or state worshipers at least not those of us who are into a freedom modality and that we want limited government to protect our sovereignty but at the same time maintain law and order so that we can be sovereign while not violating the sovereignty of our fellow citizens. Thus, we have a system of both law and order in the secular sense, but in the spiritual sense, we have a codex by which to live. In the Western society, that codex is that which was derived from both Mount, from Mount, Mount Sinai, the, the Torah, and also from the ministry of Jesus, who called himself Christ. You know, these are the foundation stones upon which we have learned to live the good life, restrain ourselves from excess, develop ourselves not only as sovereign citizens based upon how to preserve our own interests, but we've also in many cases, and in more cases than not, used those ideas to foster principles that would help our fellow man, whether it be our family our friends, our relatives, our colleagues, or whether it be our country or all of humanity. Those are natural things. Those are natural to the individual. So 
you know, we have, in a sense, rejected the communist idea that we can be perfected on Earth. None of these things are perfecting. We're never going to create a perfect world. We're not going to eliminate, you know, crime, injustice, violence, war. We can reduce these things by advocating modalities that lead to more individual success, but we're never going to eliminate them. So the communist idea marches on. The other aspect, of course, the practice of communism is the use of lies. by checking off a box claiming to be a woman of color, knowing that uh, she would get tenure. Harvard paid her $375,000 a year to teach one class. They paid her husband $375,000 a year to also teach one class. They gave her a free house. They gave her interest-free loans, and they gave her other perks. Now, this same woman who defrauded affirmative action which is a program that I would assume liberals care about. She also is here whining incessantly about student loans and the cost of higher education. She wants the taxpayers to pick up the cost of student loans. Well, you know, I would imagine that her uh, career at Harvard is the problem with regard to why public education is so expensive. The fact that Harvard was suckered into giving her that kind of money for what? This mediocrity, you know, scamming the system. She did the same thing at the University of Pennsylvania. What say you? Well, you summed it up nicely. Uh, she's got a long track record of, you know, taking money from anybody who will give it and then going out and uh, saying what everyone on that side wants to hear. Uh, yeah, apparently she's you know didn't build the, didn't build that herself on those roads. She used the road to get to Harvard, so that's why the federal government should pay for everything. Apparently, uh, she, yeah, and Dow Chemical. Strange way to look at the world. Yeah, Dow Chemical, the most evil uh, evil company in the world in the eyes of most liberals, and uh, here she is right there with them. Which I find that hypocrisy pretty common through a lot of the Democrats, but she apparently is taking it to a whole new level. Uh, the uh, yeah, checking the box thing isn't a small thing. That's you know that it got her a virtually tenured position. It, it produced a lot of favorability to her, and it was an entire lie. And it's very it's proven. Even her ancestry has been more proven to be part of the people who rounded up the Cherokee. <laughs> the no, and not only that, but even by her, even by her definition, if she's like one thirty second Cherokee. That doesn't qualify for affirmative action based on their own standards. And Harvard was embarrassed. They came out yeah. against her in the front page of the Boston Globe um, on this. She really scammed that school. Now, yeah. we could go on to other scams. When she was still living in Oklahoma, she was uh, flipping mortgages and getting rich from basically people, including a woman whose husband was in Iraq and who fell behind on her, on her mortgage payment by two days by pushing them out of their homes and then taking possession and turning it over for the bank and making a quick profit for herself and her brothers and her family members. This is how she started her career. This is how this person got this corrupt corporate lawyer, this hack, got involved 
in public life by, by, by enriching herself at every opportunity. You know, there are parallels between that and the Clintons, of course. Yeah. But uh, in her case, I think it's so much more venal because at least the Clintons have some political gravitas. I mean, she's just a mediocre hack. Mm-hmm. She doesn't yeah. have any. I mean, you, I, get, I get her emails because they think I'm a, a friend of hers, and I read these preposterous rants about, you know, right-wingers this and that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just the most most absurd and embarrassing situation. The minute she got in the Senate, she sets up a political action committee to start giving money to liberal Democrats to run against Republicans. I mean, how is she supposed to function representing the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and work with other senators when she immediately is is just an utter political crony? I mean, just somebody who's who's working the system from the inside. And... Uh, yeah. Just the hypocrisy of her as a person is so appalling. I mean, she gets rid of her fancy European car when she decides to run for the Senate and gets like a little American car for an image and doesn't even register and pay her bill to the state for, for excise tax. I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's, it's what I despise most about liberals. And most liberals aren't this bad. The hypocrisy, the utter absurdity of her complaining about the millionaires and the billionaires. All right, we're joined by S.C. Sherman, who's the author of the book, Mercy Shot. We'll be right back. What if I told you you could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication? If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet, 99diabetes.com. People who have followed this plan at 99diabetes.com reportedly have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. 99diabetes.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. 99diabetes.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. 99diabetes.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is, the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at 99diabetes.com. Watch for free at 99diabetes.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medications. Go to 99diabetes.com. Warning, if you or a loved one are struggling with drugs and alcohol, there's something you need to know. Thoughts like, I can stop anytime, I'm not hurting anyone, it's my life, are lies. These lies cause you to drink or get high even when you've promised yourself or someone else you wouldn't. You may feel all alone, but you're not. We're here to help. Take the first step. Call us today at 800-461-3329 for a free no-obligation assessment. Your insurance may even cover the full cost of treatment. Please don't wait. Call 800-461-3329. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Call American Drug Treatment Centers to speak with our trained staff. We'll walk you through getting yourself or a loved one into treatment even if they won't admit there's a problem. The truth is, drugs and alcohol want you dead. Don't let them win. One simple call will start you on the road to recovery. Call 800-461-3329 now. It will be the best thing you ever do. Call 800-461-3329. 800-461-3329. In 2002, a National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. 
With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. This is a Multiview Special Report brought to you by Enteromedics. There is no one-size-fits-all approach designed to treat obesity. Options ranging from diet and exercise to bypass surgery have failed to stop the disease from advancing. It affects more than one-third of U.S. adults. But people looking to overcome obesity have reason to celebrate. The FDA has approved V-Block therapy, delivered by a pacemaker-like device, the first approved to treat obesity in more than a decade to control feelings of hunger and fullness. Dr. Scott Shakora, Consulting Chief Medical Officer in Teromedics, explains. The vagus nerve is the communication lines between the gut and the brain, telling the brain what's going on in the gut as far as did the person eat or not eat, should the person eat. So the vagus nerve seems to regulate energy, calorie intake, and sugar production, and therefore has an important role in weight management. Talk to your doctor about how V-Block can improve your health. And for more information, visit enteromedics.com forward slash V-Block or call 1-800-MY-V-Block. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. the Senate for like five months and already she's got an autobiography. Um, the entire book, there's not a single mention of Native Americans or Native American background that the Cherokee tribe has is outraged. They've tried to contact her. She will not talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they refer to her as the worst kind of phony, you know, these types that, that, that step up and, and try to take credit for being Native Americans. And, um, you know, and the beat goes on with this thing. I mean, it's uh, she uh, when asked about it, she'll just say, well, I've already answered those questions. She won't she won't say anything. And when Scott Brown asked her about it during one of the debates, she uh, she came out at the end and said, yeah, I am a Native American and you don't like Native Americans. You therefore have something against Native Americans, which means that that's why you don't like me. It's really outrageous. It really is. I mean, it would almost be humorous. It's so outrageous, but it, it's not. I mean, she, the, the Cherokee themselves are now, you know, coming out against her. It's just she's still not going to really back down. She's not going to say, "Yeah, that was a, that was a mistake," because it wasn't a mistake. She did it on purpose. And you're, you, you laid out a whole long line list of her hypocrisies earlier, which was, you know, pretty powerful. But you've seen her all along firsthand, being from, the, you know, in her district. And 
the rest of the world is just kind of getting a glimpse of her, and we've had some good fun with those Indian names, but the, uh, they're all because of the fact that she's based in the whole big chunks of her life on lies, which is not going to be a good setup for running for president, or you sure would hope it would be, but I guess they would have been proven wrong already with, with Obama or Clinton. But, yeah, but, but you know, here in Massachusetts, she actually was able to successfully say that uh, by bringing this up, people like Scott Brown and others that they have something against Native American men and women. That's why yeah. they're bringing it up. So it's amazing she can accomplish that, that, that it's not shown that we have nothing against Native Americans. We have, we have something against liars. You know, there's <laughs> there's no problem having a well, I mean, it's, it's heritage, but lying about it to have uh, personal gain is wrong. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, look, it was Elizabeth Warren who screwed over the affirmative action system. She made the whole thing. She exposed the whole thing. I mean, I, in my opinion, as a fraud in and of itself, but that's a separate subject. The fact is that it exists and it's supported passionately by by most liberals. And she defrauded that system. She was actually listed in an intellectual uh, magazine as a woman of color as part of an article. You know, and yet when she was asked about it by the Boston Herald, she completely denied it and said, no, I've never said I'm a woman of color. And then she backtracked and said, yes, I did, after it became a big issue. And and it's all this kind of like, I mean, it's worse than just the, the typical political lies. I mean, all politicians will exaggerate or they will omit things in their biographies that are unpleasant. This is like an ongoing Mm-hmm. Um, falsity that, that that shows that this person's entire substance, their entire life is is a massively constructed lie. Yeah. Now we haven't even talked yet about her involvement in the um, in the Consumer Protection Bureau, her creation of this agency, which is her greatest and most glorious accomplishment. Who believed in a sort of a uh, rather than a one state socialism. They believed that socialism would be controlled by, basically, by gangs, by corporations, people who would organize and control various aspects of society. You know, the the movement toward corporation, which was a late 19th century movement, had a syndicalist element to it. This idea of organizing on a massive level people who had were involved in the same function and then controlling their lives. It was a socialistic idea that was adapted to certain cultures. Uh, communism, on the other hand, that uh, basically took over in Russia during World War One, in the middle of the war, was a much further left-wing movement because Russia was seen as a country that was adaptable to this movement. Russia did not have a tradition of the development of individual rights as much as did Western European countries, certainly not as much as the United States. Uh, it had always been an authoritarian country. Even its religion, the, uh, the, the Eastern Orthodox Church, was much more authoritarian than was the Catholic Church or the Protestant churches. So Russia was chosen to move much further to the left in terms of collectivization then would be the so-called fascist countries. Could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, 
There's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetic99.com. People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. In 2002, a National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cashback and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Author, journalist, and American patriot, this is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm reflecting on Alan Riskine's book, Hollywood Traders, Blacklisted Screenwriters, Agents of Stalin, Allies of Hitler. I recommend it highly. Uh, so you had a situation where there was uh, no fundamental difference between fascism and communism, both based upon a lie, both anti-conservative. I mean, last I checked, Adolf Hitler did not stand for limited government did not believe in that rights come from the creator and not from the state. I mean, those are American ideas that basically echoed capitalist ideas. I mean, going back to America's striving toward individual rights under God with the state's subsidiary to protecting those rights. You know, the Torah talks about rejecting idol worship. That's what that was about, rejecting the power of the state, because the idol is nothing more than a creation of a state. It's false. It, it claims to derive power, but it's a graven image. Uh, Judaism actually is the font of, uh, of capitalism in the sense that Judaism was the first organized faith that recognized that rights come from something outside of the state. It comes from God. It comes from an immutable force that cannot be manipulated by human beings. In other words, human beings can't invent reality. They can't invent morality. These are things that exist outside of us. That's because we are not God. We did not imbibe the forbidden fruit. We are created in the image of God. And as such, as imperfect beings, we can look to realities as a way of improving our lives and that of our societies 
but we cannot create reality. We cannot create morality. But the communist line is perfect proof, particularly during World War II, that communism does try to create realities and shift moralities in a way that suit an agenda. And that agenda is an unnatural move toward collectivism, the end of individual identity, the move toward the one-world beehive. So fascism was created as a response to Bolshevism, which was a radical, hard left-wing ideology that took hold of Russia in 1917 in the middle of World War I, which basically shut Russia down as an ally in World War I, and which Lenin then proceeded to liquidate upwards of three to four million people, the worst, most oppressive, most unnatural regime that the modern world had ever known up until that point. There had been modern communist experiments before Bolshevism. I point to Robespierre's reign of terror in Paris in 1793. But the Bolsheviks really got it down. They were able to totally take over and completely subjugate their society. And they set up a system by which this great movement would take over the world. And they had admirers in high places inside the United States, even back then, and in other Western countries, people who also wanted to create a new world, change the world as we had known it, create this new collective, some you know, who had rejected natural human impulses toward freedom, toward capitalism, toward self-interest. And so you had Bolshevik terror. For the first time in modern history, Lenin would direct his Cheka, his personal army of, secret, of, of subversive uh, secret police, who uh, had two functions, firstly to subjugate the Russian people and secondly to export the Russian Revolution to the world toward a world-conquering movement. He would have them liquidate entire groups of people. You know, the Kulaks, for example. I mean, they were basically farmers in Russia who were beginning to develop a middle class. They were beginning to develop property. They had them all basically murdered by the hundreds of thousands. And this was before Hitler even got started. Now, and, and don't think Hitler wasn't influenced by it. He was. Anyway, we'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? 
And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Dolores and Ray Butcher and their three daughters earned a trip to Disneyland by collecting SNH green stamps. It was a dream come true. Today, nearly everyone has a wallet or keychain full of loyalty rewards cards that they use for discounts, gifts, and even free dinners at their favorite restaurants. For years, an international company has been offering a universal loyalty rewards card in Europe. Now they are looking for independent representatives to launch this card in the U.S. and Canada. We call it the Blue Card, one card to replace dozens. The Blue Card offers discounts, cash back, it even accumulates points to shop at participating merchants and an online mall. It's free to get the card and free to become a representative. You could help launch the Blue Card in your area and get paid wherever it's used. Imagine, you could get paid every time someone fills their gas tank, buys groceries, orders an online air ticket, or purchases just about anything. To get your free Blue Card, call 800-627-6620. 800-627-6620. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. So you had basically the fascist movement, which came into power in Italy first in, um, in 1925 and then in Germany in 1933, after the end of World War I, in reaction to the Bolshevik uh, takeover of Russia. Uh, Mussolini, who had originally been a Bolshevik and who was far left, uh, talked about the creation of the third way, a cross between communism and capitalism. He viewed it as a temporary way station uh, on the way toward ultimately communism and the world order and the, the ant colony, as I call it. But he recognized the reality of Italy which was a country that had two institutions that resisted communism to such a degree that it was not possible at that time. Those two institutions were that the Italians tended to be small shop owners, small farmers. They had a long tradition of this, unlike Russia, and that they weren't about to give it up. The second institution was the Roman Catholic Church, which held a lot of sway in Italy, and which was uh, faithful and believed in God as opposed to the state. Catholics also advocated, unlike Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox, the concepts of subsidiarity, that, that basically uh, the best government was that which handled things locally, and that was reflected in the way the church itself conducted its business. So Mussolini just realized that communism was not possible at that time, so he implemented what he called the third way as a temporary step. 
likewise with other fascist states. Uh, Spain, for example. Uh, you know, Franco was not really a fascist. Franco was a military man who was originally called up by the French Repub- the uh, Spanish Republican government to stop the, uh, the violent revolution being conducted by communists in the Andalusian region. Uh, you know, they were, they were basically doing what communists do, burning villages, looting, play, you know, looting property, you know, slaughtering priests, burning churches. So Franco went in and he restored order brutally. Uh, eventually he was able to stop the government which was rapidly moving into Stalin's camp uh, by, by, uh, by the war. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much. So we have basically um, the two leftist systems, one further to the left than the other. The further to the left was the open communist system of Stalin. The moderately leftist system, or the less radically leftist system, was that of Mussolini and Hitler and Franco and the rest. Um, Stalin uh, and the communists made no pretensions with regard to private ownership of property. They owned all property. They, they made no pretensions with regard to the existence of private businesses or corporations. For the communists, the state was the corporation. Everything was owned by the state, public ownership of the means of production. Whereas with the, uh, the Nazis and the, uh, so, and the fascists, they allowed a fig leaf of control of private business in the hands of very specially selected monopolies who would work hand-in-glove with the state to control people. There was no separation of business and state. They controlled the religion by controlling the churches through fear, by basically removing any reference or actual belief in a creator. It was more that they would leave religion in place as a fig leaf because they couldn't get rid of it. It was too ingrained. So they would just uh, you know, keep up the appearance of religion. But in fact, they would strip away any actual freedom-oriented and objective look at religion as something that would foster individual morality. These ideas ran completely contrary to the American idea or to the ideas that America embraced. Those are universal ideas. And they are individual rights. Their rights come from the creator and not from the state. That 
businesses have the right to trade goods and services on an open market without state interference, uh, you know, under a context of regulation, but regulation would be a place to protect people's interests, not because the state wanted control over things. So you had basically the fascist movement originally hailed as progressive openly. Franklin Roosevelt, who was a progressive, I wouldn't say he was a fascist, but he was certainly uh, to the left of any president that had uh, preceded him, with the possible exception of Woodrow Wilson. He uh, admired uh, Mussolini, uh, spoke about that publicly, as did most of the left. That changed when Mussolini attacked Abyssinia because it was such a, a nasty military move that he lost favor with the progressives. But nevertheless, philosophically, they resonated with fascism. Uh, this eventually, it became convenient in the late 30s for the left to be anti-fascist because Stalin was competing with Hitler. Um, Stalin, I think, helped put Hitler in power, but Hitler had proven to be a strong man in Central Europe and threatened Stalin's interests, so thus Stalin felt competitive with the Nazis, and so he had to try to cut them down to size. Thus the party line went out that the far left was to be anti-fascist and to, in a sense, equate fascism with their other bag of enemies, that being America and, uh, and conservatism, which is, you know, put them all in the same bag, which, of course, was the absolute opposite being the case because fascism, again, is a form of socialism. The party line took another change in August of 1939 when Hitler and Stalin formalized what had been an informal alliance with the Hitler-Stalin Pact and thus launched World War II by divvying Poland in half with each side hiving off a piece and incorporating it. And then Stalin being given the green light to gobble up the Baltic states, Finland, and a good slice of, and a hefty slice of, of Romania. And Hitler given the sphere of influence over the rest of the Balkans and over Lithuania. Um, this, uh, this led to suddenly the far left in this country and the world uh, like a light went off, they became not openly pro-fascist, but they, they, they de-emphasized the, uh, the fascist, fascism as an enemy. The enemy became America and Britain, which, and which, Britain, which by the way, at that time was embroiled in the war against Nazism, uh, and, and, and that they wanted to keep the United States out of the war because that's what Stalin wanted. So thus they... they uh, more than propagandized against the United States getting into the war by calling Roosevelt an imperialist and, and all, but they actually actively were involved in sabotaging America's efforts to prepare for the war by uh, engaging in politically oriented strikes at places like the Alice Chalbers uh, Munitions uh, Factory in Wisconsin to try to slow down America's ability to arm itself and prepare for what eventually would become America's involvement in that war. So they were pro-Nazi in every sense. All right, we'll be back.
2002, a National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much, and um, I'd like to thank everyone for listening this afternoon. I again want to thank Alan H. Riskind for joining me earlier, uh, the author of Hollywood Traders, Blacklisted Screenwriters, Agents of Stalin, Allies of Hitler. He's the editor-at-large at Human Events. I can't recommend this book more highly. Uh, you know, just to, to wrap up briefly, the left became pro-Nazi during the Hitler-Stalin Pact. Uh, then, uh, after June of 1941, two years later, when Stalin double-crossed his social ally and attacked, uh, not, uh, attacked the Soviet Union by attacking their, their occupied half of Poland, uh, they switched again, the light switch, and suddenly the, um, the, the left in America, the communist left, uh, became super patriotic, uh, super warlike. We have to go to war and defeat the fascists because, after all, they were fighting Stalin. And uh, then again, at the, in April of 1945, the light switch goes off again. And once again, they become anti-American, the Duclos letter, Jacques Duclos being a French uh, communist. Um, they, uh, and that is uh, back to the revolution, back to the subversive war against the United States, the, the open and advocacy of an overthrow of American uh, system of government, our capitalist system. You know, I mean, these people were really subversives, and they deserved to be uh, brought up on charges of that, as Alan said, in the same way that if somebody today were actively involved with aiding and abetting al-Qaeda. You know, Stalin was not only an enemy of the United States, but the philosophy of communism is anathema to American the American system of government. It's anathema to our freedom. Now that didn't mean that the commun and, and even in that context, the United States never did ban the Communist Party. You know, as I pointed out, uh, it was Hubert Humphrey that wanted to ban the Communist Party, but he was stopped by none other than Senator Joseph Raymond McCarthy who thought that that went too far. But putting that aside, we shall return tomorrow at the usual time. Thank you for listening, everyone. This is the USA Radio Network. Chuck Morse. Have a good day, everybody.
happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates or low minimum payments. Before you know it, you owe thousands of dollars in credit card debt. It has happened to millions of good people just like you. But here's the good news. Thanks to a powerful program now approved, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and even reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. That's right. Our nationwide nonprofit program is helping U.S. residents cut their credit card payments. Call 800-991-6376 now. The call and information are free. Credit Guard has helped over half a million people with their credit card debt, and now we can help you. Call 800-991-6376 to see how this powerful nonprofit program can work for you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-991-6376. That's 800-991-6376. Again, 800-991-6376. 